welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How can entities speak or make noises if they're actually spirits? Are UFOs predicting the end of the world? Why are so few ghosts arrested? Hello and welcome to the 685th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben and those unforeseen questions came from my co-host, dad, and partner in the paranormal, Paul. So today we uh, bring you an open line show with our favorite guest co-host to answer questions with us. And uh, we welcome your call. So the numbers are 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada or 401-766-1240 from anywhere or anyone else. Okay, and uh, we welcome back uh, Shane Searway, our... uh Ace uh, guest co-host here, and uh, we're going to start right in. Say hello, Shane. Hello. Uh, we, uh, in a, I suppose we have to do this. Uh, this is a first for the show, but in a nod to April's Fool's Day yesterday, we will deign to include this email from a listener. This is from Scott in Glendale, Arizona. Okay, so Scott writes to us, Why are so few ghosts arrested? Because right, nobody... You guess? Okay, well, well you it's, have it's, in front of you in it's, it's, I mean, it's a joke, but I, I mean, I don't it's know, any, any, well, I, terrible, terrible riddle. All right, all right, <laughs> let us have it. All right, because nobody can pin anything on them. Uh, okay, Scott, uh, do not listen to the show anymore. <laughs> all, right. all right, moving right along, uh, we have Todd from Ohio, and uh, what does Todd have to... Hope it's not another rumor. Oh, I really hope it's not a terrible joke. Uh, so Todd writes to us, I have some vague command of lucid dreaming. Uh, can you offer any tips to access the good world through a dream? Thanks, Todd. All right. Well, that, that we'll all contribute to that, but that deserves a little bit of background information. And, um, yes, you take a pen, but... And uh, the the good world is, uh, if you have our uh, recent book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, uh, Ben and I write about that in the final, in the epilogue. It is a, um, uh, paral- in our view, a parallel uh, reality of which there are many, uh, according to the multiple worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics idea. And uh, it's not like heaven or anything, it's not perfect, but it's a, very pleasant place, and uh, it's a long story, so you have to read the book, I guess. So that's the reference to the good world uh, that is made in this uh, uh, email from Todd here. <clears throat> and it's a matter, I think it, the question is, can you access it by lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming is dream dreaming in which you realize you are dreaming, and sometimes you can control it. Ben, you want to say any more about that? Um, or, or Shane? Well, lucid dreaming is is uh, there's there's many different schools of thought on it. I've had a lot of different discussions with friends who are really into it, and I've been capable of it every now and then. But usually, it happens when you're um, coming towards the end of a REM cycle. So while you're sleeping, your rapid body eye movement. Yes. So what the deepest portion of sleep is when you go into rapid eye movement, and um, you can have up to I'm trying to remember. Um, all the all the portions of sleep, the sleep science behind it. I, I think it's up to it's between like seven and thirteen times. Like is is the average time you go into rapid eye movement, which is a very short amount of time. But that's when you have dreams. Um, supposedly, that's what they think. There's no there's no real like hard neurology on this because nobody really can pin it down. So some of the some of the theories say that that's when dreaming happens. So in that short window of time, that's when dreams occur. So towards the end of that cycle, when your body starts to wake up a bit. That's when you can usually become lucid. Some people say it depends more on concentration. 
Some people say it's dumb luck. Um, I've I've heard I've heard many tales. We had a guy on talking about lucid dreams a couple of years ago mm. who suggested saying mantras before sleep gets your mind prepared yeah, to that, yeah. to to break into lucid dreaming just by saying I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this with like deep breathing exercises. But there's also um, different forms of of new agey meditation like Kundalini meditation that uses chakras or whatever you want to call it, and um, you focus in on um, essentially honing your focus, focusing in on focus. So you you practice focusing. So while you're dreaming, you can focus on different objects. Um, Sometimes in your dream, if you do manage to have control, the idea is you think that you realize that you're dreaming. So the other day, for example, um, I was about to have a lucid dream, and I was having this really, really cool dream walking down the street and then everything was really vivid and I was like holy crap I'm dreaming but my cat was also in heat so I woke up to a very annoying meow hey don't give me that face well I told you she would have had her spade well hey you know my wife said she likes an element of danger and that's that yeah. was that, well, that was, cat you'll get it I mean essentially that's I don't know that was her reasoning <laughs> anyway that's besides the point the point is the cat woke me up and got me to a place where I could be awake enough to realize I was dreaming. So by simple happenstance, I was able to lucid dream. So the the really the answer to the question is um, uh, I don't I, I can't I can only give you a couple of different theories, but no really solid explanation. Well, Shane, you have a shamanic background, and dreams figure prominently in that that tradition. What, what uh, would you have to say about lucid dreaming, and whether you can really access other parallel realities with that? Yeah, I mean, how, how how it happens for me is I focus on on a situation. Usually, I problem solve too in, in my sleep, and uh, or I'll see if I want to uh, if, if there's a location that I, I want to know about or whatever. I focus on that situation. I actually become lucid before going into deep sleep. So as soon I'm still kind of awake, but I'm in between, and and um and I'll start seeing the stuff, and then I'll uh, and then also as I wake up, the same thing. But um, so I become fairly good at it, you know. Um, but I, I solve so many problems that way, you know, because I think I'm in a state where um, I can access different areas or different bits of information. Whereas where, where I'm awake, you know, I'm occupied with other things, you know. Um, so my <clears throat> I, I've solved so many things, you know, in, in sleep. But I I, I Almost like a meditative state, you know, the controlled breathing and fo- extreme focus on a certain subject is how I how I do it, how I go about it. Well, one of the things that might point out here, and this maybe takes the question Todd's question to another level, is at least the way I look at it, you have to li- live the life and walk the walk. Mm. You know, uh, if you're going, the, the good world is something that. Ben and I experienced, and other people, you know, when we talked about this on Coast to Coast AM in 2011, thousands, literally, of people wrote in, said they had been to places in this world that we hadn't even mentioned, and all this, all kinds of things that were very synchronistic. Uh, on the other hand, I think that you have to live what we call the multiverse, the life of multiverse awareness. Being aware, it has to be real, and it has to be, it's a state of being, it's not just going to sleep and having a dream. So uh, the more real things become, the more you're actually living it, I think. I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but I think it's 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 a holistic experience. I think All the, of you have I th- to be involved. I think there's a simpler way of saying that, which okay. is you have, you have to realize that you're there already. Well, well put, yes, exactly. 
Right. You know, and that's all part of multiverse awareness is realizing that you're in, you're living all these parallel lives and it's all you right now. All, it's always right now. There's no past, no future because it's all simultaneous. Einstein essentially proved that in his 1952 book Relativity. So this is a whole new way of looking at things and you can't compartmentalize your life as we do in the modern mind because it just cuts things into bits and it has to be a wholeness for you to really live. As vague as that is of an answer for Todd, I I hope that helps, Todd. Right. Okay, so uh, what do we have next there? All right, so we have Ricky from Macedon, uh, New York. I am saying that correctly. Yes, I'm thinking of Macedonia. I believe that... I've been through Macedon. It is named after the place in ancient Greece, so you are correct. Wunderbar. All right, so Ricky writes to us, uh, you deal with UFOs and stuff, and uh, do you know if uh, they can tell if we are at the end of the world? I'm researching the end of the world myself, and I researched and found the guy named Nostradamus and all that. Oh, yeah, dear old Nostradamus. Oh, jeez. Well, just to start us off on this, one thing we have to talk about is what does it mean, end of the world? I mean, the whole planet goes poof. Solar system goes, you know, uh, careening off into the blue, or, uh, or the, just the end of the human race. I mean, I, I don't know even what that term means. Uh, rel- religiously, and this is really isn't even good theology in the popular mind. Uh, you know, uh, Christ comes or someone comes, and you know, the sheep and the goats and all. That's what it says, but what does it mean? Uh, so there are all kinds of meanings for this. Uh, you fellows. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that. Because UFOs are such a mystery, it's easy to attribute things to them, like, um, I don't know, uh, they're here to save the world, or they're here to destroy the world, or they're here as harbingers or messengers and stuff, and I think that it's not wise or safe to attribute these things to them, so I I think that you should just take it for what it is, it's an unidentified flying object, maybe they are space, space visitors or whatever from different planets whether it's beta reticuli or whatever or maybe or the good world or the good world <laughs> or interdimensional travelers actually that's not the right word uh interuniversal travelers or multiversal yeah, travelers whatever, yeah. whatever um i don't think that we can say really anything definitive about them. I mean, we've had so many UFO guests on here over the years and what was the, what what are the conclusions we've drawn from them? Uh well, anybody's guess i think that the conclusion is we don't know exactly so i think i think the the idea here is not to delve too far into something that we don't understand to the point of attributing things that may or may not be true to them you know what i mean yeah so it's so it's like the mayans oh a mysterious civilization up oh, they have a calendar that happened to end in 2012 our time probably because the guy couldn't fit it, the rest of it on the stone right? yeah pro- probably though or they didn't even have daylight they didn't have daylight savings time like we do now all sorts of things like i i don't i don't think it's it's fun not fun i don't think it's it's in, it's prudent to attribute mysterious things to mysterious things it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, it may be like and like, and they might seem to go together, but it might not be true. Plus, Nostradamus sucks, so we should just we should just. We should, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I was just gonna say, how many times have we heard that Nostradamus? You know, they they um, translate or whatever that he's predicted so many times. As I can, since I was a kid, I mean, they they've come out with oh, Nostradamus says this day. No, you know, it's always a different day, but still, we're here. You know. Um, but there's been so many predictions on the end of the world, and it's it's never come so far, you know. So, 
Um, well, again, it depends what you mean by the end, end of the world. Yeah, right, right. You know, maybe it did. Right, yeah. yeah because yeah. it doesn't have a fit our pat definition, you know. Yeah. Well, well I mean, well, I mean, I guess the idea of apocalypse really is, you know, the, what, what does the word apocalypse mean in Greek? It just means change, yes? Or re- revelation, yeah. actually. Yes. Change, or re- change, or revel- change or revelation, so... Really, in actuality, the world did change quite a bit after 2012. <laughs> yeah, it did. And, you know, there were periods in which it does change. It's, uh, so, I mean, well, well again, let, let me uh, throw a fly in the ointment here by introducing uh, another um, uh, level here. Uh, the, the idea of, well, one thing with Nostradamus is it seems like you can't tell what the predictions are until after they've occurred. Oh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's sort of a, a re- retrocognitive kind of thing, and you look back and say, aha, he must have meant this. He knew it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, whatever. If, you know, yeah, if our uh, ace producer wants to kick in here with any ideas, you're, you're welcome to join us, Josh. Here. Well, the thing with Nostradamus is, like, it just... His predictions could be tied to so many things. They're just so vague that you can just kind of suit them to whatever purpose you want. It's vaguely like astrology. Yep. Yes. Josh Dusham, Renaissance man. Yeah. Okay. We tip our hats to you. We do. So in any case, uh, now moving on to the whole notion of the UFO again. You know what? What are they? Where are they from? You know, and the thing is, UFO just means unidentified flying object. Could be anything that is not identified. I mean, that's it. Uh, the notion of aliens knowing that uh, the world may end, whatever that may mean, uh, in any fi- finality uh, to that word, uh, aliens um, may be traveling by means of the multiverse. Um, if you're coming from another planet, another time, another world, another thing you can't conceive, you uh, could te- technically use the multiverse. Shamans do that, so they tell me, uh, to travel. Um, in time and space. So maybe they do see things that are not seen to us about what we would call the future, what in our conscious experience would be the future. Uh, now looking at that and connecting that up with, with what we sometimes run into in parasite cases, you've got parasites who will inject themselves into a life or a family or even sometimes a community, and I think it's happened in history, and they will know things about you, about, you know, that they, they'll know things about your loved ones uh, and, and use it to push buttons so they can feed on your energy, things of this kind. This is how we look at what are traditionally thought of as demons, things of that kind. And they are multiversal creatures. So, and I think sometimes mediums and psychics are in touch with them, thinking it's something else. They feed information to these mediums and psychics, they feed it to the people and says, oh, whoa, you know, they know the future, they can tell this, they know this about me. And all it is, is the simultaneity of time and space, and these creatures who are aware of it, and us not being aware of it. Mm. So, I suppose, in a way, depending on what you mean by the end of the world, and depending on what you mean by UFOs, and whoever, whatever is operating them, yeah, I suppose you could know about these things, but what value does it really have for us? In the sense that that we, I think, as as a biosphere, make our own way through all the possibilities and all the possible multiverse um, machinations and comings and goings and possible futures and possible pasts. I mean, anything is possible, and any everything is real in the quantum physics version that we happen to embrace. And when it comes to the multiverse, so I guess the, the long answer, uh, the the short answer to uh, the question here is yes and no. Yeah, well, fair you enough. You have to broaden your consciousness about it. Everything's a paradox. Well, that's true. Before we go any farther, Shane, um, 
I was intrigued uh, beyond words yesterday by the posting on your Facebook page, if you don't mind talking about it, uh, an emergency case in which there was, um, and we've had a number of questions about uh, verbal communications from entities that are supposed to not uh, be spirits, which implies no vocal cords. So. Right. Um, can can you tell us anything about that case in general terms? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was he actually contacted me uh, last week during the uh, the week and and told me that he had um, an entity in his house that was uh, saying I hate you, I hate you constantly, and um, <clears throat> you know a few other noises here and there. But uh, and then then he said all of a sudden yesterday it got a lot worse it followed him um it, it was it was you know saying it hated him at, at, at in his truck and then he he was also plowing and snow blowing and stuff and he he said it was almost like it was coming through the the noise of his uh, truck engine and then also his snow blower um he said it was really loud when he was snow blowing he says it uses the fan it speaks through his fan in his bedroom um and but the the problem I have, and I, I he I think he is going through something there. Um, but I went to the house, and um, he was stating, see, it's stating it right now. I can hear it. I can hear it. It's it's screaming. I hate you. And I heard nothing. Um, I didn't feel anything. And if there was a presence there, I would have been able to f- pick up on it. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's going through something. Um, he's he's very um, sure that he's going through something. But I didn't feel presence of any sort, and um, if there was something there, I would have. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so when I had heard, I didn't hear. He, he said it was saying the whole time. I, I never heard it. Um, we went into in, into his bedroom downstairs. Um, as I approached his bedroom, the energy did change, and um, it didn't feel good. But it didn't. It, it, I didn't associate it with a presence. But there's there was some kind of weird energy in his bedroom, um, and. Really, really nice upscale apartment. Really, really nice um, place. But right in front of his door, he had a big spot of mold too, like mildew and mold. And, and I've seen plenty of that, but this this one actually concerned me. Um, it didn't look healthy at all. Yeah. Um, but he, um, I'm, I told him I, I, we're going to go back. Um, he wanted to try to capture it so he could show his friends, you know, some kind of you know recording. He even recorded on the cassette, and, and he said, you know, and he played it for me. He goes, can you hear it? And I'm like, I can't hear nothing. <laughs> there yeah. was nothing there that I could hear. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, you know, I don't even think, you know, if it's like at a frequency that he can hear and I can't, I don't think it's, there's really nothing there. So um, I got to, I want to go back and figure out what what he's going through. But there's there's an issue there. I'm just, I got to. I couldn't spend too much time yesterday because I had a, just a little bit of time, so I shot over there, gave it a feel, um, an introduction, to, you know, to each other, and then. Uh, but I'm going to go back, and I, I caution him not to record anymore because yeah. um, he is going to where there, there is some kind of issue. He does believe that there's something there. His internal di- dialogue is focused on it, and he's um, and now he's starting to dabble with investigating it and you know uh, recording it and stuff like that. So when you give it constant attention, uh, he's going to open himself up possibly to something. But there was, and if there was something there, it could have been hiding from me, but it, it wasn't there when I was there. Uh, yeah, but I do want to go back and yeah, of course, psychological questions arise. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, ben, any thoughts on it? Maybe there's. 
I don't know. You had an EMF meter with you, right? Yep. Was there any like faulty wiring in anywhere? No, it was it was an older building that was converted, in, and um, but he, there was some. It was unsteady in his bedroom uh, with, with the EMF. Is this where the mold was? Yeah. So I had some spikes in in there, but it wasn't like the wiring. I put it to the walls near the outlets, and it, it must have been all insulated wiring because I, it didn't read high. But I did say based on what he was experiencing in his room. Um, a feeling of somebody watching him, like hovering over him and watching him and, and stuff like that and feeling like really paranoid and, and, and things like that. I said, you know, that happens to a lot of people in their bedrooms who have clock radios too close to their head because those things the leak a huge amount of EMF. Um, and I usually tell people to move it across the room and, um, and it, it fixes the problem. And he, but I didn't see one, so I told him. I said it's weird because I was expecting to see that near your bed. And he goes, "Oh no, I just moved it because I went to sleep in the other room and I moved it over there." He goes, "So that could have had something to do with his feelings in his room." But I did feel something weird in his room. It was in the, like a good um, type of. It was a, it was an EMF, but I was I think I was picking up on it more than my my detector was. Um, we've, we've talked about this before, but what color was the mold? Uh, this is black, and it, but it wasn't like just normal mildew. It was weird looking. I've never seen anything like it before. There are certain types of mold, and I'm thinking of there. There was it just literally called black mold at times. Where if you in, inhale some of the spores, it it can have a hallucinogenic effect. Exactly. So that and there was another house at that North Lemonster case. Yes. You and I kind of passed back and forth. Uh, there was mold there as well, and that raised some um, eyebrows on my part. Yeah. About possible who you know hallucinogens in the uh, in the breathable air. Right. Yeah, and I, I think there's got to be something. There's something that I'm gonna I have to uncover because um, he, you know he's genuine. I, he really yeah. believes that something's going on, and he's um, he's a pretty smart guy, real nice, um, and and he's certain that he's experiencing this. Um, you know, the, I heard some. He said he has other noises that happened in his, in his apartment. I did hear a few things that, you know, there was nothing there, but I could hear little noises. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was it's a pretty old building, and it had cathedral ceiling. They have um, black rods that are tying, the you know, the the rafters together. So, I mean, there's going to be some flex there. I mean, it's good, the house is going to move and twist and make noise. Oh, um, sure. But I did hear some kind of shuffling, but there was... There was um, I think it's just part of the house. I mean, it yeah. just being old because I didn't feel anything at all. All right. Well, keep, keep us posted. Yeah. Okay, Ben, uh, what do we... Alrighty. So here's a question uh, uh, from someone on Shane's Facebook page, and actually from several listeners as well. How do you protect yourself when you go into a case? Hmm. Yeah, I remember that question. Um, yeah, I, uh, <coughs> I do a glance at your page. And I wanna... <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I know I got into talking about it because there's a lot of um, popular um, ways that people go about it, and there's a much simpler way to go about it. And um, so a lot of people use the tools and the religion, and I hear people using stones. I use stones. I use protective prayer and all this other stuff. But, you know, way, way back when I started doing this, this work, you know, I, like I said, I, I forgot everything I thought I knew and I put in a process to identify trends and, and I started realizing certain things. And one is if, if, um, now so many houses I've gone into that I've investigated where the family was religious, they pray, prayed on a daily basis, but yet somebody became a target. So if the religion, um, didn't work, 
to to you know circumvent it how is it going to work to get rid of it so um there has to be more to it than that um religion's a great thing don't get me wrong or nothing like that um and again there is power in prayer but it just because you know you pray doesn't mean you don't have a certain vulnerability but religion can work when yeah, uh, to keep you safe when it brings you into a more positive place and and uh, and let, makes you feel less fearful. So in the in the case uh, of an investigation, um, if you use a prayer beforehand and it brings you in a more positive place and lets you you know if you have any vulnerabilities and it helps you to like erase those and um, not be fearful, then you're less likely to become a target because those vulnerabilities aren't present. Um, so. Basically, th- those become almost like a placebo, a placebo or, or um, a type of thing, whether it's a, a stone gem or holy water or smudging or, or whatever. Those things do can have an effect, but if you don't deal with the original issue, what initiated and allowed the interaction, you can do your prayer. It might help, but then the thing's going to come back because you never dealt with the original issue to begin with. So those things have to be identified and treated, and you know, which I'm talking about vulnerabilities or whatever, uh, links somebody to a parasite. So you know, um, if, if the religion will help us to become more positive, like I said, and, and the vulnerabilities are, aren't there, then um, it'll help. But so um, I tell people. There's a lot of people that, you know, if you're afraid, um, if you get the excitement and you want to go on investigation and you get the little scare to you, you know, and, and that's fun, well, I would say stop doing it because you can't be afraid during these things. Um, you, you'll become, you'll be broadcasting that fear and that, that vulnerability to the entity and you could pick up an attachment. So, um, and you have to be in a positive place too. Well, looking at some of the questions that have come in on that subject, uh, I think the intent is meant to discover what do I do? I, I'm going to go out ghost hunting and um, what do I do to protect myself? And of course, our advice is don't go quote unquote ghost hunting, a term I detest, by the way. Uh, so we'll get back to that in a minute. We're going to take our, our bottom of the hour break here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Today joined by our co-host Shane Searway, uh, and we are having an open line show today to deal with your questions uh, here on ON 1240, New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley, and broadcasting for the 70th year. Congratulations to ON. We'll be right back. ON Radio, ON Worldwide. Hey everybody, this is the Moose Man. Check out the groove line for the best blues, rock, funk, classic 50s, and the Beatles every single week. Tune in Thursdays from 6 to 7 p.m. That's the groove line right here on ON. ON Radio, ON Worldwide. Okay, welcome back, back behind the paranormal and Be sure to stay tuned after our show today at 1 o'clock. Uh, for the Boston Celtics game. I have no idea who they're playing, but it's always a, g- a good time. So um, nobody knows. Anyway, no, and no, also... No, I think uh, they're no, playing the Knicks. Oh, New York Knicks. Yeah, I think they're playing Ooh, the Knicks Big today. rivalry there. Okay, well, stay tuned for that after Behind the Paranormal. So in any case, uh, we want to uh, 
produce a number of uh, information, some information for you about the charities we uh, support on the show. We'll do that during our announcement period. Uh, meanwhile, let's get back to our discussion. And uh, we have, of course, our um, uh, ace uh, guest co-host, uh, Shane Searway. He's down here at least once a month, comes all the way from the frozen north to uh, be with us and help <laughs> yes, us. Yes, he uh, comes from Alaska, <laughs> <laughs> all the way from Siberia. <laughs> but... Um, uh, just just one more word on the notion of protection. Uh, first of all, the best uh, protection you can get when you are involved in this as a hobby is not to do it at all. Uh, this is not a hobby. It's, it can be very dangerous, uh, speaking particularly about going into places looking for entities, seeking out quote-unquote ghosts. You have no idea what you're doing, no idea what you're dealing with, and it cannot be approached as if you're collect, collecting butterflies. So uh, the best defense is not to do it. Um, for myself, uh, over the centuries, I've kind of learned to be uh, in a constant state of awareness and um, sort of, a, and it's something that uh, you just do. I don't do anything special but when I go up because I always try to keep myself in a state of a positive feeling and positive um, uh, consciousness and positive awareness. So that's... One of my favorites is any anytime any of my coworkers, friends, or or anybody who I'm relatively close with finds out that that we we investigate ghost cases, like oh you got to take me with you, I'm like no, no, yeah, we're gonna do paranormal <laughs> tourism no. thing. Yeah, and yeah. you know these things, <clears throat> like I tell people, you know, if you, well if you're gonna do it, then uh, education and knowledge is is key. Um, you have to understand the mechanics. A lot of people don't, um, but. Uh, it's important to think about emotions. So if you have emotional vulnerabilities, you can absolutely become attacked or, you know, connected. And we've seen this before where, um, you know, you can have one person in a good state, one person in a negative state. You could bring them into a paranormal situation. They can both just stand there and, and um, not say anything. But that entity is going to know which one's in a vulnerable state, and it's it, it's all done through emotional frequencies and stuff, and that's how they pick up on it. So you have to truly be in a good, positive state of being, and uh, and not be fearful um, if you're going to to do the paranormal. Well, we have a question just came in from Steve. It doesn't say where he's from. Uh, does age make any difference in protection or in the experience of danger during a paranormal case? Hmm, that's actually a really interesting Which question. Which is, is a good question. Well, um, well Dad. Being, being of advanced age compared with you children here. Um, I, well, okay, looking back to the 70s and um, 1970s, not 1870s, when I, when I was first getting started, there was the issue of, yeah, I was always worried. And the thing is, when you're young, you're concerned about your life. Uh as Monsignor Burns used to say at St. Thomas Seminary, girls of the opposite sex, uh, you're concerned about uh, your life, you know, what, what do you, what, what's going on. There are a lot of things going on in your mind. There's a lot of turmoil sometimes. Uh, you're growing into your feelings, things like this. But when you get older, you've kind of done all that already. And uh, what, one of the things I like about being old uh, and I, I don't, I just don't, I don't feel old. Uh, but having uh, presumably some experience is that you, you kind of calm down and you have a sort of a steady state. Uh, not to get cosmological here, but, but you don't have those, those upheavals usually going on in your life. Some people do. And it might be a little easier to be on an even keel, so to speak. I don't know if. Well, I mean, I guess. Enough to address that, you, you, you types. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that, I guess that kind of makes sense, you know. Um, be, being relatively young, I'm only level 24, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, barely, 
Well, yeah. So it's 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 interesting to think of it that way because I never thought about it. You know, one of, one of the fun, more fun activities for my contemporaries my age who are more adventurous than others. No, they, I hear this. Their, the, some of their favorite activities are to um, go to abandoned places and look for ghosts. And I so always that's a, a common activity for. You know, I mean, anybody in my generation, at least, you know, yes, that's yeah. just, that's just, you know, it's kind of what you did as a teenager. I never did, because I never thought that that was cool. I was never, never, <laughs> was never I mean, I don't you know. You didn't I, have to, you did it officially. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's just so I never had to break into it, like, um, huh. like the lad school or anything like that, which was one of the more popular destinations for anyone that is yeah, the vintage yeah. of exit our producer Island, yeah. and myself. So it, so I mean, you know, there's there's some potential to be, you know, mentally scarred by that and emotionally scarred, <laughs> spiritually mean, scarred, yeah. spiritually scarred as well. You know, it's um, I don't think anybody thinks about that because teenagers don't really think that far ahead. Mm. Genuine, genuine, yeah, generally, you usually think um, only till I don't know, maybe your next meal or the next day, yeah, right. maybe a week ahead, but never super far in advance. Yeah. When you're when you're younger, being older, you have the the advantage of thinking things through. <laughs> And not being impulsive. Or oh, it's already happened to you when you avoid it. Yes, yeah. exactly. So what was the question? Was it? Well, essentially, does age, is age a factor in how you protect yourself or, you know, or, or, or how you approach paranormal cases? Yeah, I mean, vulnerability. Yeah, I vulnerability. Think, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's you know situational because um, I've seen older people. Um, matter of fact, the case you and I met on, he was you know he was an older guy, nineteen years ago. Yeah, boy, <laughs> and but he became vulnerable because he you know he was diagnosed with cancer and he had a lot of negative thoughts going on, and so it, it depends on the individual. Um, we see a lot of younger teenagers that typically you know there's a lot of activity to kick up around them, and Paul already you know talked about why. Um, that's a point of our life where things are changing and and everything. And, um, but it, it depends really on the individual. If 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 you have vulnerabilities and you're not in a good place, you, you have a lowered emotional frequency and you become tuned to these things like a two way radio. They're able to interact with you that way, and you raise your emotional state. You become more positive and less fearful, and you're on a different frequency, if you will, and, and it breaks the connection. These things cannot interact with you, so. You have to be. Um, it's like I said. It depends on the individual and those those emotional frequencies and vulnerabilities. Okay, I think yeah. that's a pretty that's a pretty sound answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Steve. Very good question. Um, what before we? Well, actually, um, yeah. Well, let me give our number one more. I was we, we do that once and nobody knows what it is. Eight hundred four four nine one two four zero or four zero one seven six six one two four zero. We're having an open line show today uh, with our guest, uh, not guest, our guest co-host Shane Searway, and Ben and I are here. So give us a buzz if you have a question about any aspect of the paranormal. Okay, what do we have next, Ben? So we have Craig from Lincoln, Rhode Island, in our listening area. Writes to us: Is there any way to protect yourself from alien abduction? No, that takes protection to a new level. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Well, whatever alien abduction may be, uh, supposedly it's uh, somebody from presumably another planet or another world or something comes and uh, the, the, the stories you hear from credible people can be quite wild. Uh, I remember uh, our old friend Bud Hopkins, the late Bud Hopkins, who was probably a uh, uh, the, one of the leading or the leading expert in uh, this phenomenon uh, of his day, would... Uh, 
talk about uh, a, a high official from the United Nations uh, witnessing a woman in New York being taken through the wall of her, he saw this from outside, uh, of her apartment, uh, like about 100 floors up and then up into a craft. Uh, supposedly that uh, was, was uh, witnessed by this, this official. And so, I mean, anything is possible here. As far as protecting yourself from it, there, at least from what I've heard, I mean, thank heaven, it's never happened to me. I don't have any experience with that sort of thing. But we do speak at a lot of UFO conferences. We, we know a lot of um, people who are experiencers of this sort of thing. And uh, their lives have been changed, uh, usually not for the better, sometimes for the better. And uh, they, 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 uh, they attest that these things occur. Uh, so how do you protect yourself? It's a difficult question, and uh, I've never had any real answer to that. Hmm. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? Um, I don't really know how to answer that. No, neither, neither do I, actually. Yeah, I don't think anybody could really... Yeah, it, yes it, it, no. it could, be, could be quite frightening and frustrating. Sleep with a gun under your pillow? I, I don't really know. <laughs> well, no, pe- people talk about wh- when they see these beings in their rooms, they, and usually it's at night, which just makes me a little bit suspicious. They, they're in the in a sleep state or just or near it, and they have um, uh, they they are sometimes paralyzed. You know, cannot move, and, and uh, one or two have tried to fight back, and so they've told me, and it just has not worked. Right. So that, it's a very difficult and rather sobering question. We have a caller. Yes, we do. We have uh, Bill from Franklin on the line. Bill, welcome to ON 1240. You're on the air. Oh. Hello. Um, you, you're talking about dreams before. I remember the, the, the dream I liked, and I, and I woke up, and, and and I liked it so much I was able to get, get back into it and, and continue it. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it a lucid dream? You know, you, you knew you were dreaming? Huh? Was it a lucid dream? After I woke up, I knew it was a dream, yeah. Okay. But you're able, yeah, I've often uh, wanted to be able to do that because there have been pleasant dreams. <laughs> but, but I actually did it once. I actually, actually got back into it. That's uh, Congratulations. Have you done that more than once? I, I, don't, I don't believe so, no. Oh, that, well, that's cool. Oh, that shows a great deal of control, I would think. Oh, I, don't remember, I don't remember what it was now, but... <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, the experience is what counts at the time. Very you good. Know, did you have any particular question for Shane? You or any of us? Um, uh, Bud Hopkins. I, ne- I never, I never agreed too much with that guy. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, he only wrote three books. Well, we we knew him briefly, and we were going. It was interesting because we uh, in '03 we spoke at the same conference. Ben was there, but he wasn't working in the field at the time. And but uh, put down put down UFOs and say there's nothing to it, and, and that's why I didn't like him. <laughs> oh well, anyway, well, he he had a album of photographs he showed me of of uh, markings on people's bodies who said they'd been abducted, yeah. and I recognized uh, the same sorts of things, uh, some of the same sorts of things from poltergeist cases. Yeah. And I said, my gosh, this is like uh, maybe some kind of crossover thing here, and we were going to do more work on it, but he died, so oh, yeah. it didn't happen. But uh, okay, well, thank you for the thought, Bill. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. So uh, there we go. Lucid dreams and Bud Hopkins. So what do we got next there, Ben? Uh, we have uh, quite a few. I guess um, oh, well, let's go with this one. So this is from Zanita from uh, uh, San Jose in the Philippines. Uh, she writes to us, uh, does physic- oh, physics, does psychic power and paranormal abilities run families? My mother and my grandmother all all have psychic talents. I have it also, but I cannot control it. I have heard Paul talk about uh, getting the wrong interpretations from psychic experiences and perceptions, and I'm worried about that. What can you suggest? Interesting question. Uh, I have heard that it does run in families. 
uh, I always get the impression that my mother, your grandmother, Ben, had a lot, knew a lot of things that she didn't tell me or wouldn't tell me. <laughs> um, at the risk of getting in trouble with your mother, uh, there's some interesting stuff in that, in your paternal line as well. So, um, I think that, uh, I have heard very clearly that it does run in families. The, uh, I suppose, well, you had Johann Sebastian Bach, I think pretty much all of whose children became composers. So, I mean, certain talents run in certain families. Um, our, our producer's ability to tell when we're about to mess up, uh, maybe there's some psychic power in the uh, family Ducharme or something, you know, perhaps. So, I mean, I think, yes, I think that it does. Um, interpretations are, are, are another issue. Uh, maybe... Um, Zaneda is thinking of the show in which I described the experience at Ogdensburg State Hospital in New York where, where the, the psychic medium patient was saying somebody, a man was waiting, uh, the man being uh, presumably a ghost in the hallway, which felt weird, the whole place did, uh, waiting for his wife to die and that he was going to, she, he was going to take her home, quote unquote. When in reality, uh, there, uh, well, uh, reality as I saw it, uh, with the, the approach I made, the uh, the man was waiting for his wife, but in the railroad station across the river in Canada, and he was going to take her home to their home in Prescott, Ontario, in a close parallel reality where it was not unusual to talk to the multiversal neighbors. Long story, pretty weird, but it's a matter of interpretation. What do you fellas think? Well, I, I, I suppose because I, I was spawned by you that I, <laughs> I that I, I guess I guess it kind of makes sense. I think I'd like to think that um, I mean there's there's a lot of a lot of questions about nature versus nurture. So if if most of the things I acquired are hereditary, like the fact that I start a lot of creative projects and I never finish them, I don't know if I get yeah, that. Yeah, like, like the backyard. Yes. Yeah. Yes, mm. exactly. Or most things that I start, um, or even besides personality traits, does that does that even come down to I don't know um, how how one perceives anything that's paranormal. I mean, I I don't see why not. I mean, if it's you know, even even if if in evolution, like most of the stuff is you know, kind of key to survival in a way. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it's, it's just sometimes it's base point. instinct. Maybe it's just sharper than other people's base instinct. So, Shay, you come from a long line of wizards and shamans, do you? Or? <laughs> no, I mean, but it, it definitely runs in in families. Uh, absolutely genetic and. Um, but was there a second part of that question? Did she say she had a concern or Well, she, she was concerned about interpretations. You know, if you do use these talents, uh, are you interpreting things correctly? Oh, gotcha. You know, per, was, per hour. I think she was also concerned about her lack of control over this. Oh, oh yes, yes. yes uh, your psychic power manifesting itself <laughs> right there, John. Yes. Um, yes, uh, inability to control. And I have had people... Uh, very quite frequently mention this, like for example, they get all these. They're bombarded with mm. impressions they consider psychic. You know, so the neighbor next door is uh, drinking too much, or well, because very often that doesn't take psychic power to right. see that. <laughs> but, but you know, you know what I'm saying. There, things are happening to people you care about, or even people you don't know. Uh, I'm thinking in terms too of it brings to mind the flashing nexus we sometimes talk about. The man who came and said. Well, he uh, he was uh, on the operating table. All of a sudden, he was the doctor. Then he was the nurse. Then he was a person driving by in a car outside. No ability to control that. Just bombardment of uh, world intersects or psychic impressions, however, whatever terms you want to use. And uh, that doesn't really happen to me, fortunately, but other people have described it and had fear in their eyes when they did. Yeah. 
my advice to her would be to, um, if you know, if, if you're going to basically to embrace it. Um, if it's not something that you can just dabble in um, on and off, uh, shut it off, go back to it, you you either have to embrace it, or if you don't, um, and you just you know, uh, try to tap into it once in a while, things get weird. So you, you just, you have to embrace it and, and just become one with it. And if you're going to do it at all. So, well, one, one point we need to make too is it may not be psychic so much as psychological. Yeah. I mean, particularly people, and you know, the, the, uh, living in my innocent, uh, world in my, you know, subterranean habitat, you know, on a day to day basis, uh, when I'm, when Ben and I aren't out on cases, uh, I sometimes miss the idea that the drug culture is very real and very present and and really universal. I know particularly here in, in New England, we have a terrible problem with the opioids. Oh, horrible. Yeah. So um, there is uh, the, the question of, you know, is there a factor uh, of chemical influence mm. as well in these experiences? I mean, it's difficult sometimes to separate these factors and these levels in these experiences. So it, I guess it really does depend on the person. But pre- assuming that, that the person is not uh, psychologically unbalanced uh, and is not um, on some sort of uh, inebriate or drug, uh, then we, I think what we've said so far is um, valid, certainly. Right. So. Well, I guess that's... That's that's a really really sad note to end that question on. Yes, it is, but uh, sad but true, unfortunately. Indeed. Well, I guess we'll move on to something a little a little more well, kind of lighthearted. So, Cindy from Douglas, Massachusetts, writes to us: uh, Have you done research on the orang pendek? I have heard that there is fossil evidence that it existed, uh, but people are still seeing it. Is it common for people to see extinct beasts? Well, that's interesting. You know, the cryptid thing, and Ben and I are working on a, a, a quick book on this to have it ready for June. Um, cryptids, of course, being uh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness, uncategorized creatures that supposedly exist but have not been entered into the uh, wise annals of biology or anything at that point. Uh, so the Orang Pendek is, uh, as I understand it, uh, from Sumatra? Yeah, in Indonesia. In, in, yeah, okay, and it's... Uh, there are, there's fossil evidence. As a matter of fact, it's known as the Sumatran Hobbit because it's a, it's a small uh, human or not human hominid uh, that is um, for which there is fossil evidence. There was <clears throat> there were a number of what appear to be dead ends in the anthropological uh, cycle and the evolution of, of the human race, uh, like Neanderthal. You know, they, they branched out and then kind of died off or. Uh, whatever, and Orang Pendek seems to be a minor branch of the human family tree from, and I'm, I'm not, I should have, I should have been prepared for the question, but I didn't, I didn't look at it except to throw it on the paper. Uh, I was, I was looking, what I was looking, period they existed. Um, I was looking through, through different, different sources, and I, I guess there, there wasn't any confirmed fossil evidence for it, not that I can see. Oh, really? I thought there was. No, I may be thinking of the other, uh, Hobbit from there's. Uh, you might be thinking of um, gigant, gigant, not gigant. Well, Gigantopithecus, but there's another um, quote unquote Hobbit type being uh, in Southeast Asia that was not in Sumatra, but uh, there is some some fossil evidence for it. But be that as it may, certainly Gigantopithecus, which Ben Ben mentioned, is uh, uh, often been thought of as uh, a relative of or actually a survival uh, that has become Bigfoot. Okay. Gigantopithecus, from the name being a very large uh, humanoid, or I should say hominid, because humanoid, you think alien, uh, being from, uh, well, it survived till about, 
uh, 20, 20 to 25,000 years ago, which is really not that long ago uh, in the fossil record. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's possible that uh, like Megalodon, the, sh- the giant shark supposedly, uh, there, there could possibly be survivors. Well, there was, um, I, don't, I can't remember if this was proved to be a hoax or not, but supposedly a Japanese trawler picked up evidence of the Megalodon. Actually, no, I think that was proven to be to be a hoax, which it's is sad. It's difficult to tell because unless scientists are present at any quote-unquote discovery, then they don't consider it valid, at least not confirmed. That's true. Which can be most unfortunate. Yeah. You know? yeah. However, what are you going to do? I mean, certainly uh, discipline thinking and control by people who are trained is important. That's true. Uh, but they also proved that um, the gig- giant squid exists. Well, that's only because somebody got video of it. Exactly. And then they actually found bodies of them inside yeah. well, of whales. Well, they integrated the idea for centuries until yeah. finally there it was. Yeah. So, I so mean, who knows? We know more about this. foot-long squid. What is it? We know more it's about... a lot of calamari. <laughs> Stop trying to interrupt me. Sorry. <laughs> we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about our own uh, oceans. Thank yeah. you. Thank yes. you, Josh. You're Coming welcome. to the rescue again. Don't interrupt anymore, Josh. <laughs> anyway, no so but I think the the idea of um, the some of the cryptids being survivals, the whole idea of the the, uh, the lake monsters and some some of the sea monsters looking like you know they're having the heads of horses and things of this kind, uh, uh, survivals of the plesiosaur, say, uh, maybe. Tra- and it's funny, I was I was um, in researching our our book, Ben. Uh, I'm going back and listening to some old shows, and we had uh, several guests on the lake monster uh, thing back in 08 and '09. And uh, the idea that, for example, Loch Ness was uh, was open to the sea, supposedly, uh, during the, gla- the period of glaciation, it was sealed off from the sea, but that there uh, is evidence there are some, some uh, underwater passages to the sea even today. Hmm. So there could be a population of whatever this is in there. So uh, it's a complicated question, but it is a good question. Um, yes, fossil evidence, certainly for plesiosaurs and all this. So, I mean, who, no one really knows, uh, but it is an interesting idea. Is, is it... Um, is it a survival of an ex- a supposedly extinct creature? Is it a crossover from uh, parallel realities where this creature still exists? Uh, because in quantum mechanics, all possibilities do exist somewhere or somewhere. If you have an overwash or an intersect, you can see the creature that may be... That we, remember the people who wrote to us from Australia, Ben? Oh, yeah. One time and said they, they saw like... Um, sauropods walking... Dinosaurs walking by their kitchen window and they were somewhat... Uh, Intrigued by this, to say the least, <laughs> and uh, wondering if it was something to do with it. And we answered the question during one of our open line shows, but that was that was quite interesting. Retired couple. So mm-hmm. uh, the answer, yeah, I mean, it's it's all very interesting. You can have fossil evidence of a creature that's extinct here and not there, or where. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like that makes more sense than trying to to wrap modern science's take around, you know. A, a creature that should be dead. <laughs> well, again, you know, modern science is 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 very important. The discipline of thinking, uh, even peer review, is very important. However, we have to realize it's very political. Yes, uh, has to do with grants and tenure. Yep. Which is why there are only two, whom I can famous physicists whom I can think of, Amit Goswami and Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, who support our point of view because they're too famous to worry about grants and tenure. Yeah. 
See, but all the others, some others may agree, but they don't say it. Not that we're that important, they should pay attention to us. But when they've been on the show, it's been an interesting experience. Indeed. Okay, I think we're pretty much um, out of time. for There's a lot of announcements. So, Ben, take it away. Oh, geez. Well, let's begin. Uh, our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is in most bookstores. And if they don't have it, they can get it. And it's also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers as well. Uh, but if you're really serious, you can get an autographed copy at our show website. Now, and Shane, tell us about your site, where people can find out more about you, and where you're going to be speaking next. And we're going to be speaking at some of the same events. Okay, uh, truegost.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T. Um, all my contact information is there. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, those, I don't have the dates. I didn't, I don't well, know. we have most of them here. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll throw you in. <laughs> okay. April 29th, does that ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's New England Parafest in Kittery, yeah, Maine. So exactly. we'll, we'll be speaking with you and a couple other people as well, including uh, Don, Tom D'Agostino and Arlene Nicholson, and that is uh, going to be a great time for all uh, of good us. friends. Uh, Willie, Willie, I was going to say Willie Nelson, <laughs> Willie Nelson, Willie Hassel, yeah, and Lynn Nickerson, and the Sausage Symposium cousin. too. We'll be speaking at that exactly. So uh, we offer a double feature in Connecticut, Ben and I do anyway, on this, uh, Saturday, May 6th. Uh, we'll address the Connecticut, Connecticut chapter of MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, at 11 a.m. Then uh, abhorred ourselves across the Connecticut River to South Windsor, uh, where we'll present at the new home of the Book Club Bookstore at 3 p.m. Uh, that'll be an encore for us there, and that's free and open to the public. And Shane mentioned uh, the Saucer Symposium. That's at the KRI Center for Consciousness Studios in Stratham, New Hampshire. Uh, and that's on May 20th and 21st, and uh, we'll present on Saturday, then on Sunday, and we'll do the live show noon to 1 p.m. from that event with a panel of speakers. And that'll lose the rest of his hair because he has to produce it. It's going to be great. Uh, moving right along, we'll be back uh, for a presentation at the wonderful Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore and Cafe in Webster, Mass., right here in our ON listening area, on Saturday, June 17th at 1 p.m. And that brings us to Saturday, June 24th, and it's back to the Danbury Public Library in Connecticut, where we'll do something completely new. Uh, young pe- program for young people ages 7 to 14 years of, o- old, of age. Old. Of old, yeah, old people, <laughs> old kids. Uh, Monster Hunters, a cryptozoology workshop with Paul and Ben Eno. Maybe I should drink coffee. Uh, we hope to have our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, ready for release at that event. Then on July 27th, we'll present our program, What's Really Behind the Paranormal, at the Prospect Senior Center in Prospect, Connecticut at 1 p.m. And this is open to the public, by the way. Yes. Uh, that brings us to August 18th and 20th. Ben and I will speak at the Para-Unity Conference in Felsmere, Florida. Uh, there are uh, pre- preliminary plans to live broadcast the show from that event on August 20th. We'll let you know more about that. Uh, our fall programs also will include the Exeter UFO Festival, a special program in Litchfield, Connecticut in September, and the Greater New England UFO Conference in October in Lemonster, Mass. Uh, new events are always being added, as you can see. Uh, check our Facebook page uh, for updates and our website, BehindTheParanormal.com. Facebook page is just Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. There's also links to our YouTube channel on Facebook as well, so you can get get to all that there with a couple of videos we have up there about case files and case studies and all that good stuff. And uh, we're going to be working on a new video soon. We just have to get together and plan the production with all the time that we have. You never think we live within 12 miles of each other, but we'll get it done uh, someday. 
meanwhile, find out more about the show. As we mentioned, our uh, show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. There are over 700 free recorded shows from both ON 1240 here and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And uh, we will be redesigning those sites as we go uh, to make them more, uh, what do they call, user-friendly or whatever. I guess that depends on the user. <laughs> Anyway, um, and you can find uh, my other books uh, on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, and Barnes & Noble Nook. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, I or we, in the case of our latest book, will sign them for you. And you will help us keep all those uh, recorded shows free. And also on the website, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, as we mentioned before, USACares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, YouthMentoring.org, doing great things out there for at-risk youth, uh, and uh, HelpForHaiti.com as well. So what do we got next week, Ben? So next week... We have, uh, on April 9th, we'll talk about uh, whether we're on the threshold of UFO disclosure with Russell Kalka and uh, Dr. L- uh, Lisa uh, Galarno. Galarno? Yeah, it, the French names always mess me up. Uh, as you, I'm not French, though. Right. So <laughs> Neither are you. Well, kind of. But not really. As you might know, uh, we have our, our doubts in that arena, so this should be interesting. Okay, well, we're out of time. Okay, so anyway, I'm Paul Eno. And I've been Who are you? Okay. And I'm Shane Sarway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio 